You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. I'm Brian Cat, NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. You know, we spent six, seven weeks with free agency and the draft talking about uh, so many different things. It was a whirlwind, so much news coming in, and now two weeks removed from the draft. Things have started to really slow down a lot. I mean, we have the schedule release. We'll have a show about that on Saturday morning. But we're going to, and this is uh, based on uh, requests that we've gotten, is we've talked a lot about the draft, Paul, and we've only really talked about how we feel about the Dolphins and maybe a few other teams in passing. So today we're going to do our five or a couple of our favorite drafts and a few that we didn't like and a few that may have just been a little bit odd or some just kind of odd things when it came to the NFL draft here. So, you know, it's it's only fair. I mean, we we talked about this stuff for six or seven weeks, and we only talked about one team. That doesn't seem fair. Breaking news, Dolphins fans. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they've successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. The new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we're one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. The advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. Did I mention wireless charging? The Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. The multifunctional on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Yeah, I mean, it's when all said and done, not just our time on the, the air on draft week alone. I, I, I swear I spent, you know, 
50 plus hours on draft week just doing this stuff um you know between us prepping our live coverage our our prospect breakdowns all of our editing and posting and all that stuff and you know god i wouldn't trade i wouldn't trade it though you know like this this was a really really good time prepping up for this draft i mean good god we were talking about prospects leading up to the draft from schools i had never even heard of <laughs> yeah i mean wow Whew. you bet i mean we're so you know as far as as other teams just across the nfl i mean again the the, the dolphins based on the consensus grades here you know we you look at espn nfl.com all glowing reviews for the Dolphins. A lot of that had to do with the draft capital that they had and what they did with it. Uh, but after the Dolphins, who we are, first of all, are we both in agreement here that when we take everything into account, we like the Dolphins draft the best and we would as well if we weren't Dolphins fans? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, especially if we're talking about in the AFC East. I mean, I think the Dolphins knocked it out of the park and have probably a top one or two draft this year um overall especially once i had the time to sit back and and think about it um but i definitely would say in the afc east hands down no question miami hit the nail on the head yeah and being able to come away with an extra first and second round pick in this year's draft and use them and you know come away in the in the first four picks with Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, and Liam Eikenberg, all four players that are supposed to start for the Dolphins. That's huge. In addition to that, they traded a fifth-round pick for a future fourth, and they also, in the trade down and trade back up, they came away with a net uh, of an extra first-round pick in 2023. So they got an extra first and fourth-round pick in the future, and that that factors into it as well. And it's going to factor into a, a lot of different – uh, draft, not not gonna say grades, but kind of evaluations that we've got here for for the other teams as well. So, but let's start in the AFC East. The Jets, the Bills, and Patriots also got a lot of really good reviews uh, from from draft Knicks as well. So, where would you with the, with the Jets, the Bills, and the Patriots? Where would you rank them from one to three? For me, I'd say the Bills would be the number one team out of out of those three. Um, not only did they get some good players, um, and, and I actually have them in my top five non-Dolphins um, that we're going to get to. Cap for life. Thank you, dude. We're going to talk about the schedule on Saturday, brother. Um, but they're the only one that made it in there. They hit They hit positions not only of need for a team that was very good and won the division last year, but they also got good players as well. And that that's... A differentiation between them and the Jets for me. Um, the Jets came in third. The Pats, you know, didn't have the greatest draft in the world, but at least they they met some needs with some very good players. Got a few steals. Got a couple of the players that we both loved in this draft. But the Jets, God, they had a weird draft, and I know I'm going to talk about it a little later on. The fact, what kills me is I feel like the Jets, and as a Dolphins fan, I love this. Don't get me wrong. But as a football fan, I just shake my head. I feel like they got the wrong quarterback. Uh, but then they made a move to come up and get Elijah Vera Tucker, who had flexibility to play guard and tackle, and they needed three offensive linemen in this draft to come in and start. So they went in, they took a guy 
that we both loved, that we think is a starter, whether it's a guard or tackle, and gave themselves the flexibility to come back around and take the best guard or tackle that they could get their hands on in round two. And then they didn't do it. They took a few position players, or they took a, a wide receiver, I believe, in round two. Elijah Moore, yeah. He was yep, Elijah, Elijah Moore, Moore who we both liked a lot. And then they went, They, I mean, they took, let's see, I got it up here. Round four, they took Michael Carter, a player that we did like. And then they realized they were the Jets, and because they didn't take a safety in round one or a safety in round two, they just went all DB with five of their last six picks, rounding it out with a defensive tackle, which also is not a position of need for them. Uh, they're a team with a lot of needs, and they're, they've got their shiny new quarterback that there's already doubts about, and they've only got three offensive linemen in front of them. Um, last right. I checked, you need five good linemen to be able to compete and. They're not in position for this year, and they could very easily ruin their quarterback that's already a coin flip anyway. So you've got the Bills, after the Dolphins, you've got the Bills, the Patriots, and then the Jets, correct? Yes. Okay. I've got the Jets, the Patriots, and then the Bills. So we've got a flip there. So, yeah, with the Jets and – I do think they took the right quarterback uh, at number two. I've compared Zach Wilson to Tony Romo. it, it's not to say he's flawless. I think that he struggles a bit to throw under pressure, but I think in terms of the physical schools, uh, uh, physical skills, and the makeup of a quarterback, uh, I, I think he's a fantastic prospect. Um, then, the way I look at the rest of their draft here is, is I'm a huge, huge Elijah Moore fan. I mean, I know we we both liked him a lot as yep. a prospect. Um, I thought he was a top 15 to 20 player in the entire draft with what he produced last year in the SEC, almost 1,200 total yards. And instead of having Jamison Crowder there just, you know, getting 9, 10 yards a catch, now they have Elijah Moore to at least compete with him for that spot. And it gives him a, a ray right in front of the quarterback in that slot to work with. So my point is that with the Jets is, uh, if I were to make a top 20 overall board, Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Elijah Moore would be on that list. So I think they got three really good players there. But a problem I have with their, their draft, too, is, you know, after quarterback, I still believe that cornerback is the most important position in the NFL. And they've got nothing. I mean, if, if you look at their depth chart, I mean – uh, what Lamar Jackson is, I, I believe their number two quarter, our cornerback still, or Bless Austin is their number two cornerback. And they had an opportunity to draft some cornerbacks here, and they didn't draft one until, what, the fifth round or fourth round. But then they drafted all the corners in the fifth and sixth round. Uh, yeah, they didn't, yep. they didn't touch a corner or anybody in the secondary till the fifth round. Fifth round, they took three defensive backs. Sixth round, they took two defensive backs, which Hampson Nazareldine was a steal in the sixth round. My biggest problem here, it, it, it still goes back to the offensive line for them. Um, you know, are you going to start Elijah Vera Tucker at right tackle opposite Makai Becton? Now you're leaving the two guard spots as huge gaping cesspools. And and we've, as Dolphins fans, seen what happens when you have gaping cesspools at guards in the past. You're basically leaving just dead shot at your quarterback any defensive tackle that has any form of a pass rush or has to pick up a blitz. Or are you going to start Elijah Vera Tucker at guard and now leave 
the left side, but left guard position is something that gets roasted on on a regular basis, and then the edge rusher off the right side of your line that also has that clear path to the quarterback or any type of blitz off that side. Uh, it's it's you're going to ruin any chance you have of Zach Wilson being that guy. Uh, huge gape. Paul said, "That's uh, I've got to write that one down. That's that's a fantastic quote. Um, so I, I agree with – I wouldn't go quite that far, uh, me, but I – look, I think on the left side having Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker gives you an identity on the offensive line. But from center to right tackle, yeah, you've got what, Connor McGovern, Greg Van Routen, and George Fant. I mean, that's that's not going to do it. And – that's my a little bit of my problem here with their draft is that they traded from 23 to 14. They give up two third round picks to get Vera Tucker, who's going to play guard for him. If they had stayed at 23, they took Tevin Jenkins and then Wyatt Davis at right guard. I mean, uh, now, like you said, they sell two positions there. So, yeah, I, that's part of my problem with the Jets draft. But I think they got three of the top 20 players, and I think they got great value with Michael Carter in the fourth round. They drafted two Michael Carters in this draft, one in the fourth round at running back from North Carolina, one in the fifth round, Michael Carter the second, who is not Michael Carter the first um, son at all. And uh, you've got um, – yeah. So I just – but at cornerback, I think it's such an important position. I know Robert Sala is going to play that zone defense. Uh, so, you know, it, it limits the cornerback's responsibilities a lot, but not quite that much. Um you look at the next team I have here. I've got the Patriots uh, as second like you here. You know, getting Mac Jones at 15, I thought that was right about where he should go, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, and I do like the the picks of Christian Barmore and Ronnie Perkins. I think that Bill Belichick is going to do a good job with those two. If, if Barmore is willing to bring it because he fell for character concerns. And then third, the Bills I put third because – Yes, they took uh, Greg Rousseau, Carlos Basham, two kind of falling players back-to-back. I, I already missed Boogie. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know that hurt you. Second, whole second round was traumatizing. Dude, Ramondre Stevenson, AFC East. Michael yep. Carter, yeah. AFC East. Yeah, Rick, Rick, and, and Basham, Richie, AFC Richie, East. Richie Grant went to the Falcons, but he went... Uh, with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, yeah, with Kyle Pitts. And in addition to that... Uh, the Dolphins took the first safety in the draft, and it wasn't Richie Grant; it was Javon Holland. So, <laughs> I felt I felt terrible for you. But going back to why the, we drink, that's right. <laughs> going back to the Bills, um, going back to back defense events. I know they went with value, but I can't help think in this draft that they didn't come away with a cornerback opposite Tre'Davious White. I thought that was the play here, and. They could have traded up from that that number thirty pick and gotten Greg Newsom from Northwestern, and they could have traded like the third round pick where they took a developmental offensive tackle. So, uh, you know, if they had taken a cornerback or a safety to team with Tre'Davious White and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde there in the secondary, I think I think that would have been the better move for them. Potentially, but what what I would say to that is Gregory Rousseau. And Carlos Basham are the perfect pairing of defensive ends for that defense that they run up in Buffalo. And because of the pass rush you can get from both sides of the line with those two out there, it's you're going to improve the secondary 
by giving opposing quarterbacks less time to throw the ball and make decisions. Um, we've seen that in the past. It's There's such a symbiotic relationship that's discounted between the front four and the back four of any defense. Um, what, and, what scares me, uh, just to jump in there, is yeah. Rousseau playing defensive tackle uh, in those looks, playing next to Ed Oliver with also, you know, Jerry Hughes and Carlos Basham on the field. You know, that's that's a pretty good four-man rush, and yeah. it, it can get to the quarterback, and the Dolph- the Bills' defensive line has given the Dolphins' offensive line troubles in past years. Well, hope- hopefully with the answers we have now, um, I mean, at guard, we're not going to get moved off the ball very easily. Uh, with Liam Eikenberg at right tackle, uh, he, he's shown a very, a very good bit of effectiveness in college at handling the rush and hopefully Austin Jackson develops this year as well and Skura just learns how to snap the ball again um, you know it, yep. but I will say if Skura is mishandling snaps this year against Buffalo that front four is going to feast because the extra time it takes for a quarterback to fumble around with the ball and pick it back up is is, is lethal against the front four like like they have up in Buffalo my hope is that uh, if Skura has snapping problems, they're going to figure that out in training camp and not yeah. week three or week four of the season. Yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, though. So let, let's take a look at a couple drafts that, you know, from afar that we really liked as this process went on here. So let's start. I mean, I, I've got mine ranked here, but if, if you don't, that's totally fine. Who are after the Dolphins? Who is your favorite draft here? One of my favorite drafts out there was the Bears, believe it or not, which will make Bob Witt happy. Um, Mine it's, too. It's ju- making that move to go up and get Justin Fields at number 11 overall when I had him as the second-best quarterback in this draft it is phenomenal value at that point and at a position of need. The Bears didn't look like they were going to be able to get their quarterback at all in this draft, and I think they got the one that they wanted here. Uh, and on top of that, you add Tevin Jenkins in round two, who we both had as a top 20 guy, I believe, uh, on our boards. And then to come back and grab Larry Borum, who's very versatile in round five and, and could potentially come in and start for you. Uh, Khalil Herbert was a running back that can step in and be the perfect one to to run in that offense and be able to catch balls out of the backfield. Daz Newsom was was a guy that, um, you know, I think we both talked about a little bit on our wide receiver show. And He's a good possession guy. And be that role player. And I think he, if I remember correctly, he was a pretty good return man as well. And then Kyrus Tonga was, was a defensive tackle I know we both really liked in the late rounds out of BYU. So, I mean, the Bears came in, and they came in all business. I mean, there's a lot of drafts that missed my list because they started out hot and finished confusingly or vice versa and, and and the bears were pretty consistent up and down the board and then thomas graham's a guy that's you know going to need a little development but has a really high upside potential yeah when i look at the bears draft i mean it's all about the, the top two picks it's justin fields and tevin jenkins and you know it, it's hard to tell a bears fan uh, like i was i was talking with bob about is you know to I don't know what to tell a Bears Bears fan a week before the draft because you signed Andy Dalton and you have Nick Foles as the backup. That doesn't make any sense. I don't think they're going anywhere but down at that point. Uh, When you get quarterback and left tackle solidified with Justin Fields and with Tevin Jenkins, 
Uh, I mean, that's that's huge. It instills so much hope into the franchise here, and I think it's such a great fit with them because, you know, if Fields doesn't turn into a 5,000-yard passer in Chicago with how they play, I don't think that's a huge deal. Um, they did give up some resources. They gave up a third and sixth rounder in this year's draft as well as a first and fourth in, in the 2022 draft, but I think it was very well worth it for the Bears. They came in, if I were making a list here, they would be second or third on my list. My number one team would actually be the New York Giants when you can take everything into consideration because I'm also including what you got in draft assets if you traded down and got picks for the future here. So I look at their draft as it is with Kadarius Toney, Aziz Ojolari, cornerback Aaron Robinson, uh, and edge player from Northern Iowa, Ellerson Smith, in the top four rounds. And I think that alone is a good draft. But they also got, in trades, trade downs, an extra first, third, and fourth in next year's draft. So that really sets them up well for the future. And Dave Gettleman actually traded, traded down, the Giants general manager in this draft. I, he, he's made 54 picks over eight years with the Panthers and the Giants. And never traded down. And that was the whole thing. He's never going to trade down. And I fell for that too. He traded down in the first round um, with the Vikings and in the second, or excuse me, first round with the bears and the second round with the dolphins. And he got first, third and fourth round picks uh, in the following year, year's draft. So I, I think they did a phenomenal job here. And I, I wasn't even as big of a Kadarius Tony fan as you were. Yeah, but he, he's the perfect fit for what they needed in that offense. Uh, and, and I really like their draft. They, they did miss my list, but it was a draft that I liked a lot. One of my favorite drafts out there, and, and you know, for one of my favorite coaches on the planet, and a guy that you and I both really, really liked and respected and, and actually wanted to be Miami's head coach at one point in time, was Dan Campbell's Lions came out swinging. Uh, they got one of the top three or four prospects in this draft at number seven overall in Penny Sewell. Uh, they went out... And they got a guy that, you know, I think in his, his media press conference came out and said, I just like to F up opposing offenses schemes in Levi Wuzurike. And then Ali McNeil in the third third round is somebody that we loved in the middle of the defensive line as a possibility. And then Ify Melifonwu, uh, brother Obi, uh, he was a second rounder on almost every draft board on the planet, and they got him at the end of round three. And then you add Amon Ross St. Brown, which some people had going in the second round in round four. Derek Barnes, at linebacker, who, who's going to be a good fit. And then Jamar Jefferson, one of those sleeper running backs out there in round seven. The Lions knocked it out of the park for Dan Campbell to come in and start to implement what he wants to see the Lions look like in the future. Uh, yeah, they were fourth on my list. I mean, Penny Sewell at seven. And what I like about this draft is that the Lions have two future first-round picks. And um, they really set the table in this draft. They Now they've got Taylor Decker at left tackle, Penny Sewell at right tackle, and on the defensive side of the ball, after swinging and missing on so many defensive tackles over the last few years, like Akeem Spence and Danny Shelton, and the list goes on and on, now they, they draft defensive tackles in the second and, and third round. Uh, and they, they could be their starters. Um, yeah, Melifano, I think, is a really appropriate uh, uh risk at that point because I mean he's very raw but a somebody that if, if you hit it on you hit it big and yeah so I've I really like what the Lions did too so overall uh, the drafts I really like Giants 
other than the Dolphins. Dolphins come in number one on our list, like we said before the show. Yep. Giants, Bears at two. Um, and then the Lions at three. And then I've, or, or excuse me, the Lions at four. I've got the Panthers at three. And I, it, it seemed to me that in their draft, they every player that they took after the first round, uh, in second round, they took Terrace Marshall. Third round, tight end Tommy Tremble. Fourth round, Chuba Hubbard. Fifth round, uh, Davion Nixon. Sixth round, Keith Taylor from Washington. And uh, Deontay Brown from, uh, from Alabama. It seems like all these guys went at least a full round lower than what they should have actually gone. And I think the Panthers, for a team that only spent their picks on defense last year, added a lot of really good talent here. So I, I love their first pick in J.C. Horn, too. Somebody, one of my favorite players of the draft, son of Joe Horn. Uh, he's going to go to a great situation because he can play opposite A.J. Boye in that defense, and then they can kick Dante Jackson inside to the slot cornerback spot. So I love what the Panthers did, too. I like what the Panthers did, but they they didn't make my list. They didn't even make my honorary mentions just because there were some other drafts I liked even better. Um, One of the ones I want to talk about is the 49ers. I think they actually got a better quarterback at three um, after trading up with Miami than the Jets did at two in in Trey Lance. I, I love the upside with him. Aaron Banks is is, is ridiculously solid at, at guard, and then God Trey Sermon and Ambry Thomas, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell were two of my favorite sleeper running backs in this draft as well, and and they got both of them to come in and potentially be that two headed monster right out of camp. Uh, and then you know there were a couple of picks that were kind of meaningless in the middle for me, but overall they're a team that was a few pieces away, and they got I think they got their quarterback of the future. I think they definitely stuffed their running back room and solved it and set themselves up to potentially be able to trade one of the guys they have for some draft capital next year. And I hate the fact that they look good because Miami's got their number one pick next year. Two other drafts I really like, too. Um, The Browns had very few needs heading into this draft, and to get Greg Newsome in the first round after he fell, as well as Owusu Koromora in the second after he fell – other than cornerback and linebacker, shocking to say the Browns have very few needs, and they they hit both of those. And I, I that alone gives them gives them an A mark if I were to grade any of these drafts. And then the Chargers finally draft a left tackle. We were talking about it on the air during our show. You know, they they get Rashawn Slater, and you can bet Philip Rivers is sitting at home in retirement and is just just losing his stuff there uh that that they finally get a left tackle and they actually redo the entire offensive line so really good job by the chargers too and in the second round they get asante samuel the cornerback from florida state who i think after losing after cutting casey hayward is going to come in there and really be a day one starter for them yeah i had the chargers on my top five list as well and then rounding out my top five would be the broncos taking Pat Sertan, who's a great fit in their secondary and definitely a need, uh, sliding into the Dolphins and taking Javante Williams, who I don't think the Dolphins were actually targeting at the top of the second round, given the fact that it was, you know, the second that pick got slammed down by the Broncos, the Dolphins went and slammed down Javon Holland uh, immediately. There was no wait, you know, no no line, no waiting. And then a guy we, we, all, we talked about extensively, Quinn Miners coming in to – to shore up that line and Baron Browning at linebacker was another guy that we really liked. Um, Jamar Johnson at safety. It's, 
and Jonathan Cooper, I think, was was a big sleeper at defensive end, uh, and they got him in round seven. And I expected him to go in round four or five in this draft. So, yeah, the, the Broncos, I think, had a very good draft. Uh, they're a quarterback away from competing still, but they weren't really in position to uh, get their guy at that point, and they may be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, which if they get Aaron Rodgers with this lineup that they have, the Broncos are going to be ridiculously formidable uh, this coming season. Uh, it, the way I look at the Broncos draft is it's my favorite draft by far if they get Aaron Rodgers, and it's not just because of Rodgers. Other than that, um, to pass on Justin Fields at nine uh, and draft a cornerback when you're already really good at cornerback like the Broncos are, that's that's where I hesitate a little bit. And to trade up and get Javante Williams ahead of the Dolphins, who I agree with you, and we haven't talked about that enough, that prob- they probably weren't going to take. Um, when you've got Melvin Gordon on the roster, I, I don't know about that. Um, and, and maybe I'm a little bit sore because uh, I nailed the first eight picks in my NFL mock draft, including J.C. Horn at eight. And Fields was my pick at number nine for the Broncos, and they passed on him. And I probably would have nailed Patrick Sertan to the Cowboys at 10 after that if it were to happen. So maybe I'm a little bit upset. Yeah, I mean, it, it's and, and it's funny you mentioned the Cowboys. I had them as an honorable mention. I had the Bills as an honorable mention uh, for their draft classes. I know we talked about the Bills already. I mean, the fact that the Cowboys not only got Micah Parsons at 12 after trading down, who I had as the top three player in this draft, Um not only got Kelvin Joseph, who was a guy that we thought was tremendously over underrated, and they still seem to get him after he slid a little bit. Um, Osa Digizua, we I think we both had a first round grade on. Yeah, um, not 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 me. I, I I liked him, but I mean, I, I thought it was a good pick in the third round. Okay, well, it's and Jabril Cox in round four, who we were both. Oh yeah, he was still on the one board. of my favorites there. And then Simi Fahoko, if he can keep his feet, is going to be. A fantastic receiver for for the Cowboys. He's got a lot more speed than I expected. And Quentin Bohanna was one of those defensive tackles we loved. And God, how much time did we spend talking about Israel Mukuamu out of South Carolina, the one that could play safety or corner effectively, given his size and speed makeup? Yeah, and I he's going to move to safety for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. and I I like that a lot. Six four two twenty. I mean that. That's a. I'm surprised that Brian Flores hasn't drafted more of those two slow cornerbacks uh, here over the last couple of drafts. I mean, I, I know he's he's taken you know Brandon Jones, he's taken Javon Holland, but like late round swings on like on 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 um, those it's those crazy two physical makeup. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm a little bit surprised on that. So yeah, I, they also took Nation Wright in the third round, which is mind blowing to me. He's six foot four, 183 pounds. Try to visualize that. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't have this guy anymore on my list. I didn't expect him to get drafted, but I like the Cowboys draft too because you get Parsons. You, you also get a third rounder, and you get Jabril Cox in the fourth round. That's that's a good draft for me. So let's let's go to our most hated drafts here, and I, I have a feeling we're gonna be a little bit more aligned on these. So, who was your number one here? Again, I I didn't put these in any particular order. Um. For me, God, the the Packers. It's your entire offense is predicated around 
your your two headed monster at running back and Aaron Rodgers, uh, and and one wide receiver. And you, you've got needs along the line. You've got needs at wide receiver. You've got some needs at tight end. And the Packers just ba- and, and you've got a really pissed off, ready to walk, even sit out, um, all pro quarterback. And you come back in round one and you draft a corner. Um, yeah, you got a good player in round two and Josh Myers, who I don't think was anybody's top three at center in this draft. And then Amari Rogers is okay. And you really just kind of gave the guy the finger. You took a too slow linebacker in round six. It's too slow to even play special teams. And Kylan Hill isn't going to see the field in round seven. So it's just... I, I hate this draft. Yeah, me too. And that's why it's my least favorite draft too. I mean, it is shocking to me that when we've talked about those top eight receivers that were clear cut top eight guys, I mean, uh, Rondell Moore comes off the board, I think at 49 and Terrace Marshall, I think at 59. Elijah and Moore. I mean, Elijah Moore at 34. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a perfect pick. And look, quarterback is a need for, for the Packers. I mean, you watch the NFC Championship game with Kevin King getting roasted, who they resigned for a cheap contract. Yeah, it is a need, but I, I don't think Eric Stokes is very good. I mean, he he is a you know tall, choppy type of cornerback. I I didn't even if the Dolphins had a need a cornerback, I wouldn't have liked him. Uh, and if it's just it's it's such a bad draft. Oh, I, I would have liked round. Stokes as a steal in round three is for potential upside. Maybe. I mean, wouldn't you think at this point they would just draft? Go ahead and just draft a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers in the well, first. Especially if you're going to waste a pick. It, 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 could, it could it could be that. I'm, yeah, I could be that. And then second round, I've never been a big Josh Myers guy. I mean, I, I thought he was more of a third or fourth round guy. He fits their system pretty well because he can move. But I mean, big I, deal. I'm, <laughs> I mean, well, I hate to put it that way, but big deal. Yeah, it's he not can a big move. deal. Your it's wide not. receivers can't. Amari Rogers, uh, third round. I like that pick, but I he's got to have a huge impact. That's so uh, underwhelming based on what was out there, though. Yeah, I, it, yeah. It, it, it sure really, was. Like, everything about their draft is underwhelming. It, it's Royce Royce Newman in the fourth round. I thought was way too high. To Daryl Slayton, he's a big dude, but eh, two now, one or one down guy. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Kylan Hill might have been my favorite pick of the draft, who went uh, late in the seventh round. My favorite was was probably Shamar Jean Charles in the fifth round because I think there is a very realistic chance that they're going to make even more of a mess of it because I think there's a realistic chance that Shamar Jean Charles could beat out Eric Stokes or at least visibly beat him out even if they're going to play Stokes over him. Okay, that's 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 quite a take there. Uh, fifth round pick beating out a first round pick. We'll see what happens. It's not hard to beat out Kevin King, that's for sure, based on what happened here last year for the Packers. Number two, my, and again, I'm, I ranked him. You didn't. That's fine. Uh, for the Raider, or the Raiders, are my second least favorite here on this, and it's it's obvious why Alex Leatherwood at seventeen was a jaw dropper. And here's my my thing with the Raiders too is that it's it's one thing if you have the ability to be like the Patriots were five, six, seven years ago, and hey, they they reached on a guy, but they get it right. The Seahawks ten years ago were hey. They reached on Russell Wilson. They reached on Richard Sherman uh, as a fifth rounder. They get it right, though. Uh, the Raiders never get it right. 
<laughs> they they take you just going back a few years. I mean, they they take Carl Joseph in the middle of the first round. They take you know Jonathan Abram at the end of the first round. Cleveland Farrell was the most shocking pick that I've seen at number four ever in the history of the draft for me. Uh, so it's not just that they make shocking picks and they don't care what anybody else thinks is that they never get it right. And like ever. So now, now you take Alex Leatherwood, he's going to be your starting right tackle. Probably in my opinion, isn't going to succeed. There's going to get kicked inside a guard. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it uh, for what, and here's the thing that pisses me off too, is at least with Farrell, you know, it, it, they bled the clock down to five seconds and then finally had to make a pick. And there was a huge drop-off after the first three guys. They had a trade-down offer for Leatherwood, and they thought it wasn't up to their standards. I don't care what it was to move from 17 to wherever. If it was a fifth-round pick, you take it, because Leatherwood would have probably been there in the third round. Yeah, Mike, I, I, I have the Raiders there um, as an honorary mention. Uh, they just missed my five. And my reasoning for that is if you took Alex Leatherwood and you took Trayvon Morig one for one and just swapped where they drafted them, no yep. one's questioning this draft. Like, it, it, they just kind of go, oh, okay. Malcolm Koontz, okay, I get it. But at the same time, Mike Mayock got on NFL Network towards the end of round seven. And his answer for taking Alex Leatherwood in round one, he basically said, well, Leatherwood's a guy, what you see is what you get. He's probably the most plug-and-play ready right tackle in the draft. So I feel we did well because we got a guy that's going to come in and start a bunch of games for us. Yeah, how inspiring Like uh, that, <laughs> that he says that. <laughs> how many guys got a starting right tackle in round two? We did. Christian Darrisaw went 23rd. Uh, they took Alex Leatherwood at 17. If I had told oh. you before that uh, Leatherwood would go above Darrisaw, you'd have probably punched me in the face. I mean... Well, no, actually, I probably would have said... If you if all you told me was was Leatherwood went above Darisaw, my answer immediately would have been, God, what is Mayock smoking? And you didn't even have to tell me it was the Raiders. Like it's just it's the Raiders and the Seahawks always take a weird player. Remember that watching future drafts, no, no well, doubt about that. They would, and that's the perfect segue to one of my top five. I hated this draft drafts. Now I like the Dwayne Eskridge pick. But the Seahawks are a team with a lot of needs. And as far as draft capital goes, they just gave it all away. So for Jamal Adams. Um yeah. and, and I, I I'm they had a second they had three picks. They had a they had Dwayne Eskridge. And I said on the air at the time, like, oh, that's actually more normal than I thought, even though they took him probably mm -hmm. a full round too high. And I'll I'll say again. Uh, the example I made on or, or what I said on the show about Eskridge is I like him, but he's 25 years old and he caught his first NFL pass uh, eight days before Kenny Stills dropped that 70 yard touchdown uh, uh, in Seattle back in 2016. That's how long the guy's been playing college football. So I think he's a good player and he could start for him, you know, with uh, as the third receiver with Metcalf and Lockett. But uh, I, and I, I like. I like Trey Brown. I like Stone Forsythe, but they had three picks and they traded them for Jamal Adams and uh, in in previous drafts too. So they had, they had three picks. 
I'd be devastated if I was a Seahawks fan right now. Because they didn't they didn't knock it out of the park in free agency, even though they had some needs. They almost ended up trading Russell Wilson this offseason, and then they had a pretty uninspiring lot of draft picks, as well as beyond Dwayne Eskridge. I, I like Trey Brown. I like Stone Forsythe. I don't see them coming in being impact players, but the Seahawks weren't positioned really well to take impact players in this draft. Um, it's Now, speaking of lack of draft capital, I'm going to go to one of my other ones here, the Texans. They had to draft Davis Mills because their untradeable starting quarterback right now uh, may be an unplayable quarterback come come this season, even though he's probably still going to be a Texan. Uh, he, he's, he's untradeable, unplayable, and in more legal trouble than Ray Lewis was. It, it, you know, it, it's it's insane right now. So they had to take Davis Mills out of Stanford. Uh, I like the Nico Collins pick because they need wide receivers, but do I think he's going to be able to walk in and be that true number one for them? No, not a bit. They need linemen. They need a lot of things. Brevin Jordan's okay. Uh, Garrett Lalo was uninspiring. And Ray Lopez? Jesus. No, I, I, oh, I've, I've never seen Ray Lopez play I'll, I'll, in full disclosure. So Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's completely uninspiring. And by the way, thank you, Noel Leon. And I did not see what Watson tweeted. I'll take a look at that while Kat gives you some thoughts here. Absolutely. Uh, so I, as much as you hate the Texans draft, I, I hate it even more for several reasons. Uh, in the third round, like, look, is it a surprise that that the Texans are going to be like the worst team in the league this year? I mean, they're going to have a top three, top four pick, if not number one, and they're going to be going quarterback anyway. So why are you drafting Davis Mills in the third round? Uh, that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Just play with Tyrod Taylor this year and don't try to be good this year. And then with Nico Collins, even though we we liked him a lot more than other people, they traded uh, from, what, I think 116 in the fourth round to 96 in the third round. They gave up a fifth-round pick this year and a fourth-rounder next year for that trade-up. That's not the appropriate value for that. So I don't like those trade-ups. I don't like you know, Nico Collins, I like as a player. Um, and Brevin Jordan, I thought was a really good pick for them. I'm, I'm surprised he lasted the fifth round, even though he didn't test out that well, which I didn't really expect. So, but no, of overall with what they gave up for Laramie Tunzel and you factor in Davis Mills and the trade up for Nico Collins. No, it's a, that's a bad one for me too. Another bad one to round it out with my last two is for the Colts. I thought they had an opportunity to just keep it simple and take a left tackle at 21 Christian Darisaw and then take a wide receiver in the second round. And they passed on that opportunity instead of quitty pay and uh, the Vanderbilt uh, defensive end uh, Deo Odiengo in the second round out of Vanderbilt, who is a talented player, but may not even be available for the first part of this year. Um, no, I mean, I think they should have kept it simple and and made sure that Carson Wentz got what he needed. If you had Darisaw at left tackle and Terrace Marshall at wide receiver, that makes a much bigger difference. And one thing from, you know, say what you want about PFF, I I've, incredible stat is that uh, Carson Wentz's grade when pressured last year was a 51. When he wasn't pressured, it was a 91. So, not being pressured from your blind side matters way more to Carson Wentz than it does to other quarterbacks. Um, so I can't believe they passed on Darisaw there. They took Quiddy Pay, who we've been a little bit lower on, don't see quite the upside other people do. 
I we've seen him more as a second round type of guy. And then, you know, Deo is going to probably not be available for the first part of the year. So they missed the boat at offensive tackle there in the second round, too, when you had six tackles go between pick 39 and pick 52. They just missed the boat in the left tackle spot. So now they sign Eric Fisher, probably not going to be available to the end of the year. So I didn't like that draft. And then the Saints, Peyton Turner was actually probably my favorite pick. And that was the kind of the third eyebrow raiser of the first round. After that, Pete Warner, Paulson Adebo were a little bit uninspiring for me. Um, I think they may start because the Saints are so thin at the, on defense. And then they take Ian Book in the fourth round, the quarterback out of Notre Dame. I, I was blown away yeah. by Ian Book in the fourth round. And I think you're just throwing another one onto the pile when you could have possibly gotten a starter. Yeah, no, I, I had the Saints right up there as well. I do think Adebo is going to be a lot better than people expect. Uh, I think he dropped down a little bit based on uh, just, you know, the mess that was Stanford as far as draftable players. Um one draft that started out perfect for me, even though they reached a little in round two, I think they got a player that is going to be ridiculously effective in their offense, is the Rams. Uh, I think Tutu Atwell is going to be do very well in that offense. Uh, we, we saw what, uh, oh God, what's his face there, uh, did with Marvin Jones up in Detroit. And I think if Tutu can get those vertical routes going, uh, I think he's going to have a very good season. But after that, with Ernest Jones, Bobby Brown, Robert Rochelle, Jacob Harris, Ernest, like there's, there's nothing inspiring. So I think I think my second favorite draft pick that the Rams had was was Ben Skowronek out of Notre Dame in in round seven at wide receiver. That's how uninspired, disgusting the Rams draft was here. So if I can jump in there too, yes. The Packers and the Raiders, um, I said, were my my two least favorite drafts. I forgot to put the Rams on this list, I'll be honest with you. Tutu Atwell, I thought that pick was insane. To As your first pick in the second round, to draft a 149-pound wide receiver who is going to be no better than your fifth receiver this year, because right now you look at their depth chart, they've got uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, uh, Deshaun Jackson, and somebody I'm forgetting uh, that those are going to be the top four guys. Well, they, still, Atwell, they still have Everett as well to get on the field. No, he's with the Seahawks now Oh, because right. he was signed by them, but it, they've also got Tyler Higby. I, I thought yes. it was absolutely insane. And then third round. Yeah. I mean, uninspiring is the right word. Ernest Jones as from South Carolina, I thought was a decent player. Um, you know, a cerebral type of middle linebacker, but doesn't stand out in one area. Bobby Brown from Texas A&M is a pick I, I like a little more. They've had a lot of success with those day three, you know, defensive tackles, defensive ends, like Sebastian Joseph Day, those developmental guys. So that was a good pick. But, ugh, I mean, the, the, the reason I didn't put them on here, I think, is because they got Jalen Ramsey in the trade. And I'm, I, I mean, I don't care if you're paying him $20 million. I think he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I think so too, but if we're if we're grading trades, you know, that's going to shuffle this whole list to begin with. And I don't think anything they did. At, I mean, yes, two two Atwell was insane, but the vertical routes I think he's going to be able to run in that offense are, you know, potentially something that could be special for them. Uh, after that, everything about their draft was insane because they reached on pretty well every single player. 
in their draft. So they're either in on something we don't know across seven, eight guys, or they're going to look tremendously stupid here uh, over the next three years. And I don't think they're in on that much that, that no one else knew. Jacob Harris, uh, the tight end from UCF, is an interesting guy, and he could be the replacement they have in mind for Gerald Everett. 6'5", 225. Um, I, I think that's what they had in mind when they took him in the fourth round. But, yeah, overall, I, I don't like it too much. Um, it, I, other than that, not a lot of drafts I uh, disliked a lot. You know, I, I can under, understand a lot of what they did, even if I they didn't take the exact players I thought they should have taken, et cetera. But what, one thing I want to know is can the Car- Arizona Cardinals go through a year where they don't draft a line, a, a versatile linebacker in the first round and a wide receiver in the second round, which they did with Zayvon Collins and Rondale Moore. And I don't necessarily dislike those picks for him, but it's linebacker wide receiver. And then, you know, just a bunch of throwaway picks after that. It seems like it's, like that every year for the Cardinals. Yeah, and another one that I hated for the same reason I hated the Jets draft is, yes, they got a lot of good players. No, yet again, did they address the trenches and that's or address the trenches effectively? And that's the Bengals. It's you just watched your franchise quarterback get murdered. Uh, a guy that's been known for his durability just got hit to the point he couldn't take it anymore, and now he's trying to rush back from injury for week one, and instead of firming up the trenches in front of him, really, um, you get him his wide receiver. You, you know, Yes, you drafted Jackson Carmen, but he can't play the additional two positions that you need on that offensive line. And then you go back and you take Joseph Asai on the edge, Cam Sample, Tyler Shelvin, good players, but unless you're going to move Tyler Shelvin to offensive tackle, you didn't answer your needs, and you're basically going to get your quarterback killed for the second season in a row. And there's only so many times you can lose a knee in the NFL. So you think the Bengals should have taken Penny Sewell over Jamar Chase? Yeah. Okay. Got it. A I'm percent. Yes. I'm, I'm with you. On, I'm with you on that. Even though I, I like both players, and yeah, they took Jackson Carmen in the middle of the second round. He's going to play left guard for them. Um, but yeah, it. it when I look at their draft, it seems like in the third or fourth round every year they take a bunch of defensive linemen. Do that except with offensive linemen. Like, it, it, this isn't hard. They take Joseph Asai in the third round, Cam Sample in the fourth round, Tyler Shelvin in the fourth round. I think those are good players. But they're pretty set at, at, at along their defensive line compared to their offensive line. They take Jackson Carmen in the second round from Clemson. They're going to switch him to guard. They don't take another offensive lineman until the end of round four. They take Deontay Smith, who I actually like from a traits perspective, but um, he's not even anywhere close to, to being ready after uh, you know coming out of East Carolina, struggling during Senior Bowl week. Yeah, an- another one that was weird for me too, and I can't believe I'm saying this after they got two, two of my draft man crushes, is the Falcons. Um, after Kyle Pitts and Richie Grant, Jalen Mayfield's okay. Drew Dahlman was was an uninspiring pick at center. I didn't love the Darren Hall pick. Taquan Graham I do like. Um, And then Frank Darby I liked a lot in round six. I thought that was some good value at wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, and I'm 
not a surprise that they're one of your your favorites there with Pitts and Grant in the first two rounds. So, but, the, yeah, but we, they're we, weird to me. Like I, they should have been one of my actual like top five drafts after going Pitts and Grant, and because they went so weird and odd after that, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't even give them an honorable mention. Yeah, Jalen Mayfield uh, went in the third round. That's that's a little bit. I, I'm I'm more okay with that than I, I thought I'd be because he's got some versatility. They don't have a lot of depth on the offensive line. Um, I, when I saw him in the first round mocked, I thought that was insane. Drew Dahlman fits their, their offensive line well because he's a smaller center. So, I, yeah, I, they're day three picks. Taquan Graham, Avery Williams, Frank Darby, um, uh, Ogaday from Notre Dame. Eh, eh, I could take or leave. So, Paul, I think uh, you know we've kind of freestyled and and, and ac- accidentally got to just about every single draft here. So uh, <laughs> I know no, we no, missed a few. No, we could talk about the draft all day. We'd talk about 2022 if we could here, but we're gonna we're Actually, gonna put a pin in that. I'm, I'm gonna throw one more out there because I forgot to put them on my lists. And you know, as far as a draft, I liked. I really liked what the Washington Football Team did in this draft. I mean, I thought they completed their defense. I thought they did a couple of good things over on the offensive side of the ball. I think Fitzpatrick's going to have a lot of fun up there uh, with the nameless wonders as as it stands right now. I, I liked it too. I mean, J- uh, Jameen Davis in the first round, a lot of range, and they've had success with freak athletes there. You know, Chase Young and then Monta Sweat. Now you put Jameen Davis. That could be interesting. Uh, Sam Cosme might be a day one left tackle. They just signed Charles Leno there, but – um, he could also kick inside the guard. Benjamin St. Just, I like that too. And Deami Brown. I mean, I, th- I think those are four solid um, picks there uh, to, to start out that draft. So, yeah, absolutely. So we've gone through a lot here, Paul, and we're coming up on, gosh, almost an hour now. Um, are what we questions really? have? Yeah, yes, yes, we are. That's what happens when we start talking about the draft. So what questions have come up? Dolphins are NFL-related from the chat. So I'm going to tell folks, go ahead and throw those questions in that you asked about earlier. Uh, and while we're waiting for that, guys, make sure you click like. Make sure you guys subscribe. Follow us out on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, all the different places that we've got. All those likes, all those comments help us out. And make sure you let us know in the comments you know, what drafts you liked, what drafts you hated, what, how you would rank the, the AFC East draft classes. Um, so yeah, one of the, one, oh, go ahead, Kat. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking back through the chat here. Uh, Josh Turner said, does Javon Holland have the ability to be Minka Light? He sat out a year and it was the first safety taken. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that's really what Brian Flores has in mind here for him. Um, When it comes to him, after cutting Bobby McCain, I wonder if they're going to put Brandon Jones at free safety and then use Javon Holland in that nickel role and third safety because – Putting a rookie back there at free safety doesn't seem like it's Brian Flores' style, but taking advantage of the versatility does. So I see a lot of people having Holland as, as a starting free safety. I think it might be Brandon Jones. I think I think Brandon Jones will be that deep guy, and I think Javon Holland is going to be used in more of that. Um, I know at linebacker it's been referred to in previous years as a joker role where he's moved all over the formation to, to – like you said, occasionally be back there in nickel, occasionally be back as a third safety, occasionally be up at the line of scrimmage on one side or the other, occasionally start at the line of scrimmage and end up back back deep, or occasionally end up start out back deep and end up coming up and blitzing. I think he's going to be doing and asked to do a lot in his defense. Um, 
so next question we got here. Gaskins at running back one. What are reasonable expectations with Brown added? Uh, the question is if if Miles Gaskin stays healthy this year through 17 games, I expect him to have a monster season. And I think they've they've put a lot of faith in him. Um, you, you know, you take a look at what he played, I think, in 11 games last year and had about 1,000 total yards. You, you take that to 17 games. If he stays healthy and has another year in the system here uh, or, or another year in the building with the Dolphins – yeah, I, I absolutely think he could have a monster year. The big question for me, can he stay healthy? Can he take that pounding at his size? Yeah, and I, th- I think for me, those pounded runs are going to be more of a Dokes and Brown specialization. Uh, anything the, Between the tackles runs, I think, are going to primarily be, be those two. And the interesting thing for me is going to be if they run any two-back sets with Brown and Dokes in the backfield together. That's a lot of meat pushing forward there behind guys like Kinley yeah. and Hunt. God, I hope not. I, oh, I don't. Wanna, I hope they do. I I, I don't want to see Malcolm Brown really on the on the field on the. I mean, really. I, the, you know what? If 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 he's I don't think he's very Dokes good. Or running in front of Dokes, I I, I I don't hate it as much. Um, D- Dokes is a Dokes is a running back. Like yeah. why why would you have two two slow running backs on the field? I don't. I wouldn't say that slow. And the fact that they you know with Dokes's field vision. It makes up for some of that speed, uh, especially running between the tackles. Uh, as far as the schedule, we are going through that Saturday morning and our usual Saturday time slot. Um, so look for look for that, Stauffer. Soflo would like to know where Justin Coleman fits. Yeah, I like the signing of Justin Coleman. I thought with the Seahawks a couple of years ago, he he was a good player. And this past year with the Lions, he played the most snaps for the Lions of anybody on their defense. So he's got the durability. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. Uh, he may be in a battle for a roster spot, though, with uh, Jason McCourty. I expect one of those two guys to make the roster. Um, if he makes the roster, I, I think he might be a, a, a big bargain. So I, 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 as a sixth or seventh defensive back, I, I like the signing. And then uh, we also got the... Do we think Fuller's going to make a big impact in his first game back against the Bills? I'm going to jump in first. Absolutely. I think with the with the dual tight ends we've got right now, with the other receiving threats on the field, and with Tua having a year to actually get in shape prior to the season as well as work with his wide receivers, I think Fuller's going to come in and have a huge game with a chip on his shoulder against the Bills. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, all these uh, drafts, that we've talked about here, uh, a team has a vision in mind and these drafts tell you something about who that team wants to be. And it's the same thing with the dolphins that they, there's a reason they wanted to get Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle on the field at the same time. And there's a reason why they traded down from three to 12, a backup to six. And they didn't take Kyle Pitts or Jamar chase uh, and just stay there at number three. They want to spread the field wide and allow Tua to deal cards, do what he did best at Alabama. And the more days have gone by, the more I think that that is the right way to go on this. Yeah, and I I think what they did here is they set this team up so the defense is going to basically have to going to decide for you how Miami's going to beat you. It's are you going to give the middle of the field and the seam for you know. 
Lynn Bowden and Hunter Long and Mike Gesicki. Are you going to give the one-on-one on the edge for Fuller and Waddle and Parker? Um, it's Or are you going to dedicate your resources to trying to stop everything over the top and let them run right at you and, and, and catch balls out of the backfield with Dokes and Gaskin? Um, it's pick your and Miami set up for a pick your poison style of offense and like you said with the dealing cards that's going to play right into Tua's strengths and Josh I think what I just said about Long kind of answers your question about whether I think he's going to beat out Smythe for that second tight end spot you know part of me wants to say Paul shut up about uh, Dokes because he's a late seventh round pick but I also said the same thing about Miles Gaskin uh, a couple of years ago and now here we are so Look, they the, this team believes you can find running backs anywhere. They put so in I. a yeah, and I, I, I don't disagree with that. And centers, and I I don't disagree with that strategy. Um, I thought they'd go center and running back at a certain point in the draft. They didn't. Uh, they did put in a um, a waiver request there for Carry On Johnson, and he ended up going to the Eagles. So that bears watching on the running back class. You should see some players get cut. Sometime in August, you know, there's a lot of running backs that are going to bleed out the bottom of those rosters, and I think the Dolphins are going to have an eye on, on several of them. So we'll keep an eye on that as we go along. And, Paul, we're going to have a show on the Dolphins' schedule release here on Saturday morning, our normal time, 7.30 Central uh, a.m., and you can also see the recording after that as well. So that's going to do it for our breakdown here of really just all of these uh, draft classes, who we liked, who we didn't like, a few things about the Dolphins as well. So be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, the fan-sided network, finfanatic.com, and all of our social media outlets. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.